0: alright so here we have it you're listening to the experiment club and uh, <clears throat> Dave Gregory we are changing somewhat of our format in that uh, we're not going with the long supposedly ad, uh, advertising at the, at the front basically because we think they take away too much uh, time and that uh, they're really not effective and we want to get to the gist of uh every program as we put it out, but uh, just to let you know that that has changed we do want you to support our page and um the experiment club uh dot it's uh the experiment club that's dot c l u b uh is our website and we're on most platforms and we talk about the uh uncertainty of the future and how a uh, truth is always stranger than fiction there's not a fictional story that can match up to the truth because the truth is just mind-blowing so when the masses learn the truth they would better heed to know what's going on than to sticking their heads in the sand because uh, you may like uh, thrills and spills but you never really know what's coming down the track and the aim of the Puppet Masters is to keep everybody confused so let's go on to the Experiment Club and let's see what's going on today so our first few episodes talked about uh, Nibiru and uh, uh, Zachariah Sitchkin he has uh, 8 books out I believe over the course of 30 years uh, actually there are three, uh, 2 more, 10 uh, because the first uh, book was updated uh, twice. <coughs> so um, just in that in mind we're talking about space travel and we're talking about Nibiru which comes to see us about every 3,600 years. But In correlation with that when the United States uh, uh, was in a space race with the Soviet Union uh, it was uh pretty tense at the beginning uh, late 50s early 60s Russia actually got the first uh, satellite up in space it was called a Sputnik and as it orbited the earth people uh, around the world would try to ca- catch a glimpse of it not only could you uh, actually see it from, and this thing was small so I don't know really how they could see it uh, but uh, it was also putting out a radio signal and so this being the first uh, uh, signal uh, from a orbiting uh, spacecraft, if you want to call it that, people had their electronics tuned trying to mostly hear it rather than just see it if, if it was even possible. But to their discovery and somewhat dismay, it turns out there was, this was not the only thing they heard coming from space they heard a signal from a satellite that wasn't doing a uh, orbit around the earth um, typically the equator line it was actually another satellite much bigger which we didn't know at the time but was putting out a signal and it was orbiting the earth from the North Pole to the South Pole So there are some pictures of what this satellite looks at and if you're looking at this on YouTube, uh, you're gonna be able to see these pictures as we bring them up right now. And, uh, it's there certainly looks, uh, nothing like our space junk that some people, uh, want to, uh, imply that it is. And, uh, this next one that comes up could be another view of it, which uh, definitely makes it, uh, uh, not appear anything like a space. Be, he said our space junk. Uh, it looks like something right out of sci-fi. Uh, proof, uh, this one is actually proofofalien.com, uh, website. And uh, most of these shots are from, uh, the space shuttle. And, uh, well, the space station too. But the space station was able to get a lot of pictures. There's, there's the shuttle, uh, and there's the, uh, uh, the black knight uh, facing upward or downward, depending—you can't really tell that uh, orientation in space, neither by the pictures or where um, everything is. I guess the shuttle could be pointing nose down towards the Earth, and the black knight would be also. But uh, there, there are plenty of different pictures of this thing and I would say that uh no one could uh, you know I mean it just boggles the mind that these are all uh, photoshop which I don't believe they are um, and, and, and in relation to this and where we're going with Nibiru and all of this is a plain fact is that as mentioned before there's all kinds of evidence that we've been visited by intelligent alien life over hundreds of thousands of years years ago, in fact, there's a, a Mike uh, Michael Tillinger who wrote uh, "Gods with the uh, Small G." Uh, he had, he's put a few videos up, and there's a, in I believe it's Africa, uh, uh, South Africa. There's a footprint of somebody barefoot. That probably had i mean this uh, you're looking at a size shoe maybe i mean a foot they didn't have any shoe on this is like a i, I would guesstimate it at being at least a three foot barefoot but the thing is it's a footprint that's in you know that has been encased and, and actually turned into rock uh so uh it takes a long time to uh turn something into rock on a planet and uh, a fossil whatever you want to call it that this footprint was in the mud at one time now that it's been over the centuries and the Millennials it's turned into rock so you have a barefoot imprint to the side of this mountain path that uh, is about a three foot at least a three foot uh, uh, size I don't know what that there's no shoe size that would equate to that of course laugh out loud so anyway you know I mean there's all kinds of stuff and as we mentioned in the previous podcast uh, Nibiru we got the uh, uh, cuneiforms from uh, the the, uh, settlement that they established in Iraq which is uh, then uh, known as Sumerian so there's all kinds of evidence that we've uh been visited before, and the evidence also shows that uh, this alien alien race actually uh, uh, created mankind to be their slaves. And, and pretty much, uh, in essence, they act, They had been act- this. This was a kingdom of uh, a kingdom, and they they actually uh, fought so much they pretty near killed themselves on the planet. They had nuclear weapons and uh, you know they kind of i guess were their entertainment uh, to some extent now they're way out there it takes three thousand roughly three thousand six hundred years for them to come back into our uh near our uh orbit but they're coming not by themselves and things to be noted they are uh nibiru as as a dwarf red planet which you can't see it because it, uh, it isn't a ati- uh, uh, not a dwarf red planet. It's a dwarf red a dwarf red red star, which uh, it means it's a star that's gone from being full bright like ours and emitting light to it's it's it fading out. Now Nibiru has to be uh, it doesn't get supplied much heat from that star, but it, it, it's part of the its own constellation of objects that uh, orbit uh, that are in Nibiru's constellation and therefore it's coming our way you have to have an infrared telescope to be able to see some of these objects because uh, further note the Vatican has uh, a place in the United States up on a mountain I think it's what is it I'm trying to think what state it might be uh, I don't know Montana and more in the middle of the country I'm not quite I don't recall it right off the top of my head but this is something you can google it uh, uh, this is a there. Uh, the thing about this is they have this Vatican has this in one of our states on a mountain top a telescope looking into space but it's not just any kind of telescope it's an infrared telescope to be able to look for one of their names they call this group the Nemesis now here's a uh, old newspaper clipping from back when the uh, this discovery was made mysterious satellite tumbles through space this is in relation to when the putnik went up A dark satellite that the Pentagon said may be of Soviet origin tumbled through space today in an orbit of mystery. Its path over the poles was one that would be desirable for any type of seeing-eye space spy. Moscow was saying nothing about it. Here's all that's known about the mystery object, according to the Defense Department it appears to be in a near polar orbit it is dark and it is probably less than 19 feet long it is silent as far as u.s monitors are concerned but american space scientists have not ruled out the possibility that the satellite could be sending messages if triggered by a remote receiving station in the soviet union however these scientists have learned from experience that it is difficult to receive signals from a space vehicle tumbling in orbit as this one appears to be doing At at Jodrell Bank in England scientists at the British radio telescope said they knew of no satellite sent aloft by the Soviets recently and said that they have no information on any new satellite around the poles. Navy tracking stations first spotted the object about three weeks ago but the defense department said nothing about it there was no official comment until afterward uh, until afterward was publicized Wednesday that the Pentagon was buzzing with what is it speculation American scientists quickly estimated possibility that the space traveler was one of the known American or Soviet satellites which had been launched in a general east-west orbit they also tended to rule out the possibility that it could be a part of soviet uh, lunik 3 that took a picture of the far side of the moon last october okay so this is a little bit later I uh, because we this is past the time that they put up the first partner six u.s discovery satellites have been fired into polar orbits the only one of them still circling is Discoverer, discoverer 8, launched last November 30th from Vandenberg Air Force Base, California. Navy trackers who kept a continuous watch on all space objects said they knew the whereabouts of the Discoverer a rocket casing and that this object was not one of them. The only indication of the mystery, and then it says continue on page 4, and I don't think I have page 4 but you know I I, I do realize some of these things intertwine and uh, they overlap uh, uh, historical events but the the, the gist of the facts still remain the same. So here we have an issue from January 19, 1959 the cover of Time Magazine. It shows looks like the moon and it's got a satellite orbiting the moon now we're gonna see if we can actually browse this magazine so it actually opens up I think it's something something like PDF anyway we can browse it PDF or not it's not who knows but it's cool and uh, let's see if we get to uh, uh, Webster Cigar but so we want to get to the index so we can look for the story that we want to find. A lot of advertisement 13, uh, any six for three ninety eight. That's a hell of a deal. It kind of makes you like to go back in the time, doesn't it? And as we ch- continue to look for the uh, article on uh, Sputnik I mean, Guessing that's what this is. We came across this, which is very appropriate for our time frame in which we're living. It concerns uh, the salt, Jonas C. Salt vaccination. And little note here: no medical preparation has been launched on its life-saving career under a more brilliant spotlight than the salt, salt S A L K, salt gas vaccine against paralytic polio. This very glare has made it harder for some to see certain essential facts. The vaccine is not always effective and its potency is not assured. Now Dr. Jonas E. Salt uh, has certainly reviewed his vaccine potency and performance. So look for further information under C. Medicine calling the shots. Wow how appropriate is that for today in the COVID-19 that we the herd are going through so we came across this uh, the nation national affairs and before a joint session of the 86th Congress went to the president of the United States to make his annual report on the State of the Union his message was closely reasoned, bluntly presented, with occasional flashes of eloquence. And positive in its nature, Dwight Eisenhower urged and set forth a program for fiscal responsibility, not of the sort that stifles growth, but of the kind that can stand as a springboard for national progress. Here's a way of note during Eisenhower's administration, uh, corporations were uh, taxed at a rate of about 90 percent yeah that's right (laughs) 90 percent and they were still making money I mean it just uh, boggles the mind I'm not saying it should be 90 percent today but it should be a hell of a lot more than uh, 20 percent and I think President Biden wants to up it to about 27 percent we were doing uh, very good at that higher tax rate we had more honesty in government and uh corporations weren't ruling the, ruling our country. This uh, also goes on in another year, and in a different political circumstances, the speech might have been hail for its firm stand on principle. But in the year uh, nineteen fifty nine it was met with coolness by the democratic eighty six as for example, with Senate Majority Leader Lyndon Johnson when the television eye on it smothered a yawn. At the very moment that President Eisenhower promised to present a balanced budget, the President's problem with Congress was partly of his own making, partly the result of inescapable circumstance. He is the nation's first President to be barred by the Constitution, the 23rd Amendment, from running again. Wow, I didn't know that. I knew they they did change it after uh, Roosevelt's four terms but I didn't know he was the first one to be barred having earnestly tried to stand above party he made one of his rare ventures into partisan politics last fall and the Republicans lost 13 seats in the Senate 47 in the House the specter of the defeat peered over his shoulder last week as he spoke to Congress men who had already weighed the political factors and decided to go their own way without particular reference to the, the to the desires of Dwight Eisenhower we're going to try to jump down to uh when they get to the the Sputnik okay here's the section i think on the, the launch of the Sputnik the democrats did not even permit the president to deliver 1959's first State of the Union message as he had in Sputnik dominated 1958. That was 1958. Majority Leader Lyndon Johnson made his own speech two days before the President. At the Senate's Democratic Caucus, like President Eisenhower, he spoke of fiscal responsibility, but unlike the President, he could afford the luxury of advocating economic, economy, and in principle and spinning in practice. Fiscal solvency concerns us all, said Johnson. It is a first concern for no course as honest without the courage of financial prudence. But we cannot afford to bankrupt the national conscience to serve the ends of political bookkeepers. TV. Wow. Wow, 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 wow the word for today is wow, right? I hate that word. So as we return back to 1958, January 6th, the man of the year that shows Khrushchev with a crown that he has. He has the uh, uh, Moscow Moscow city wearing as a crown and in his hand He has the Sputnik orbiting, which is a picture of the satellite that they got up into Earth orbit. Maybe we'll find more interesting stuff on that in this issue. The year of the Sputnik is followed by U.S. election year 1958 and the prospect of political wrangling over the responsibility for defense shortfalls. Has already cast its shadow over the session of Congress that begins next week. Ready for the brawl. One point of the US defense policy that deserves the most serious debate is the rising argument for some sort of US general staff system in the Pentagon. An argument that has defenders of the present system warning of the dangers of a Bismarck like Prussian general staff, the reform minded Warnings of the dangers of present-day disorganization towards a U.S. general staff—that uh, that has all implications. They were trying. This is something that the corporations had been trying to set up, um, so they could actually run the government uh, through the auspices of a general staff, overriding the power of the president uh this that that i spoke of in the in my podcast concerning uh, uh a major general smigley uh, smigley butler of the united states marine Continuing with 1958, under the nation, National Affairs, ready for the brawl, as he packed his bags to return to Washington, Dallas Republican Representative Bruce Elger looked grimly forward to the second session of the Democratic 85th Congress. "I, I foresee bitterness and hatefulness, he said last week. We are going to squabble and fight and make the world think we hate each other and that we can't solve our problems we are going to have bigger and bigger budgets, higher taxes more government, spending at home and abroad, and more inflation accompanied by deficits financing Happy New Year so the more things change, the more they say the same, isn't that so then we have a picture of a Secretary Dulles and President Eisenhower in NATO TV report. And we have uh, uh, we have showing that uh, the two-sided proposition that well Dulles took over for took over for 20 minutes. The president sat in the Wayne profile, self-consciously fiddling with his glasses or staring. In painful attentiveness over Dulles' shoulder. There you have an indication that these men, Dulles, who was part of the CIA conspiracy to assassinate President Kennedy, had little regard for the executive in the uh, healthy office of presidency. This is something that still goes on, and this needs to be addressed by any future presidents to take control of our country away from these mental management manipulators of our rights and their phony bullshit emergencies that they create, and then we're supposed to pick it up, clean up after their shit. Dulles spoke informally from notes, but without achieving the desired effect of spontaneity. His major points, although the U.S. is more than willing to go along with its NATO allies in talking disarmament with Russia, it still insists on the points of principle and procedures that would make U.S.-Russian disarmament a two-sided proposition. The United States, and its determination to match and surpass the Soviets in the missile race, cannot afford to neglect such equally important phases of the Cold War, As foreign aid and liberalized foreign trade the decisions of the NATO conference said Dulles add up to quite a lot assuming of course that they are carried out with vigor tired aging men such steadfast Republicans as Senate Minority Leader William Nolan and New Jersey's H Alexander Smith defended the Eisenhower Dulles report as informative and positive but from the Republican Portland Oregon came a bitter criticism of the spectacle of two tired aging men talking about the gravely compromised half measures which bind and separate America from its European allies among Democrats Montana Mike, Ma, Ma, Mike Mansfield which the report has spelled out the sacrifices the people will be required to make in the years ahead e. S. Strumans, holidaying in Manhattan snapped during an early morning walk that he was just about as thoroughly bored of Mr. Dulles as the president was. Schumann also said that the television report had been fixed up by DVDO, which he defined as bunko bull deceit and obstification. (laughs) Good old Harry. The surprising reaction in Washington, wrote New York's uh, timesman James Ruxton was that the two leaders made a family, including grandchildren, made item a twenty-four pound turkey. Well, we had to go back a few more years in and, uh, and our search for the Sputnik story. So it was launched uh, launched in October third or fourth. I think it was the fourth of nineteen fifty-seven. So we got a. Issue opened up from uh, October 7, 1957, in the Nation. We can see how, as once again we see, the more things change, the more they remain the same. The meaning of Little Rock. Some people say it's like a dream. It can't be happening here. News. Presbyterian minister Dunbar H. Ogden Jr. President of the Greater Little Rock Ministerial Association as he contemplated the fate that had befallen the city, his city. But I haven't felt like that. This is real. It was a grimly real. A segregationist mob had ruled Little Rock for an ugly moment in US history. Now the face of the law was that of a young US Army paratrooper in battle here outside Central High School Little Rock it was a name known wherever men could read newspapers and listen to radios a symbol to be distorted in Moscow misinterpreted in New Delhi painfully explained in London a great issue had been joined between law and anarchy and as always it was the innocents the moderates who suffered most more drastic talk. Arkansas Governor Orville Faubus was not one of these. He had drawn the battle lines. President Eisenhower had patiently tried to avoid direct conflict. But when forced to the issue, he had acted quickly and decisively. Now at weeks end, Faubus, like Joe McCarthy before him, was trying to regain the initiative by even more drastic talk slandering his political opponents musing about the possibility of calling a special session of the Arkansas legislature to abolish the public school system and the president of the United States would return to Washington this week to confer with a delegation of five southern governors. The governors typified the dilemma in which Orville Faubus had placed the South only one georgia's marvin griffin was a gravel rouser of the Fabus stripe the four others florida florida's leroy collins tennessee frank clement north carolina's luther hodges and maryland's theodore roosevelt mcclendon were moderates but the emotional turmoil of the south had forced collins clemens and hodges towards the sides of demigod Fabus even though most of them privately blamed him for the trouble. In Washington, they hoped to find a way to get federal troops out of Little Rock. President Eisenhower was more than willing to listen to their arguments, but he made it clear in advance that he would not barter away his authority under the Constitution and statutes of the United States to put down mob rule wherever it arose. The inevitable governor, it was small wonder that many of the ordinary citizens of Little Rock thought of their situation as a dream, a nightmare, in which they had played no part. But Presbyterian o- Ogan pointed up the meaning for ordinary citizens and would-be extremists alike. This had to happen someplace in the South, said he. It was inevitable that there was going to be a plan worked out, approved, and accepted, for gradual integration. It was inevitable that somewhere, a governor under pressure of extreme segregationists was going to stop integration by calling out the National Guard. This may be looked upon back by future historians as a turning point for good of race relations in this country. If the Supreme Court interpretation of the Constitution can be made good in Little Rock then it can be made good in Arkansas. If it can be made good in Arkansas then eventually it can be made good throughout the South. Okay, so there you have it. Quick, hard and decisive. There we go. God, things never change. And here it just shows you some the riots that were going on in Little Rock, the police they went all armed to the teeth back then and the people didn't quite seem so militaristic yeah. Yeah, that, that guy got pretty bloodied Agitator Blake and foes for an advocate of violence Violence oh, I guess you You, uh, you sow what you reap you reap what you sow you reap what you sow I should say Negro students and friends from young hearts hearts from the sun porch of his living quarters President Eisenhower signed a proclamation commanding all persons obstructing justice in Little Rock to seize and desist therefrom and to disperse forthwith. Only one hope remained for avoiding the use of U.S. troops in Little Rock. Obedience next morning to the proclamation. The president, walking to his office just before 8 a.m., noticed that there's a cold wind blowing up. There it was indeed. The reports from Brunel began flooding in. The mob had not dispersed, shoving and shouting outside Central High School. They refrained from violence only because the Negro children did not appear. A telegram came from Little Rock's Mayor Mann. The situation was beyond the control of local authorities. Then-President Eisenhower signed an order that sent the Screaming Eagles to Little Rock. the screaming eagles 101st airborne just some thought my father was not he was uh in the service and he was in the screaming eagles 101st and he jumped into normandy on d-day hello defiance only a handful of people stood outside central high school that night as the troops hove into sight the paratroopers spilled out of their trucks warmed smartly on the school grounds. Field telephone lines were strung from the trucks of the high school uh, lordly Oaks. Jeeps moved around to the rear of the school, parked in a line along practice football charging machines. Pup tents blossomed in back of the school tennis courts. Colonel William A. Keene, smart and salty, swung a spider stick as he examined a, examined a map of the school grounds. By 5 a.m. Wednesday, combat ready paratroopers lined two blocks of Park Avenue in front of the school, stood with fixed bayonets on, bayonets on corners a block away in each direction. Radio patrol jeeps sped, sped back and forth, a walkie talkie crackled. Hello, Defiance, this is Crossroad 6. A crowd began gathering a block east of the school where Roadblock Alpha had been thrown up. At an intersection major jim james myers a thin hard man with the glint of a hawk in his eyes ordered up a sound truck please return to your homes," he, he said he or it will be necessary for us to disperse you nobody move nigger lover muttered a man a voice came from the shadows russian a man in a brown suit was full of bravado they're just bluffing. If you don't want to move, you don't have to. Meyer snapped out an order. A dozen paratroopers moved in the line. Rifles at the on guard position. Butts on hip bayonets forward. Brown suit held his ground for a moment against the advancing troop soldiers, then scurried away with the rest of the crowd. One last word. When the class bell finally rang, the Negro students had not yet arrived. District Commander Walker out of rugged hill country, Texas, where it is said of the best people, they kill their own snakes. Call the white pupils into the auditorium. Explained his mission You have nothing to fear from my soldiers, and no one will interfere with your coming, going, or your peaceful pursuit of your studies. One last word about my soldiers they are here because they have been ordered to be here. They are seasoned, well trained soldiers many of them combat veterans being soldiers they are as determined as I to carry out their orders a few minutes later a crisp careful military movement put the nine Negro children safely in the Central High School a Jeep rolled through the barricade at 16th Street and Park Avenue followed by an army station wagon and another Jeep the Negroes piled out of the station wagon three platoons came on a double across the school grounds deployed in strategic positions another platoon lined up on either side of the Negroes escorted them inside the building there was dead silence around Central High School the living in but not for long trouble was developing at roadblock Alpha the day's hot spot the crowd was growing again Major Myers ordered it up to move on nothing happened and Myers was sped up he rasped, rasped harshly over his loudspeaker let's clear this area right now this is the living in I'll tell you we're not gonna do it on a slow walk this time The crowd scrambled back under the front lawn and porch of a private home screaming protests that the soldiers had no right to bother them there the paratroopers came on Moved up the porch steps. began pushing people off. A Missouri-Pacific switchman named C.E. Blake. For days, one of the most vocal of the agitators around Central High. I advocate violence. Grabbed for a rifle. Smashed his butt against Blake's head. Blake. Blake. Blood. be dignified when vilified. And above all, to reveal no bitterness when questioned by newsmen. During the noon hour, a white boy and girl, both school leaders, saw a Negro boy eating along. They asked, would you like to come over to our table? The boy smiled gratefully. Gosh, I'd love to. And another Negro pupil recalled, the white kids broke the ice. They talked to us clearly. Many of the white children at Central High School were proving themselves better citizens than their elders. Monument to demography. Orville Fabus, meanwhile, had flown back from Sea Island, arriving in Little Rock. Fabus joked feebly, I feel like MacArthur. I've been relieved of my job. But Orville Fabus had no intention of fading away. He holed up in his executive mansion and began working on... I feel like MacArthur. I've been relieved of my job. But Orville Fabus had no intention of fading away. He holed up in his executive mansion and began working on a national television speech. It was a monument to mockery. Evidence of the naked force of the federal government is here. Apparent in bees on sheathed bayonets. Cried Fabus, holding up a photograph but not long enough to show that the girls were merely walking giggling past a line of troopers. In the Fabus account bloody agitator plate was suddenly transformed into a guest in a home The Army had gone on an orgy of wholesale arrests, Actual number 8 with four fined for loitering and four released at the police station. An imported judge, U.S. District Judge Ronald Davis of Fargo, North Dakota had refused permission for the side to cross-examine government witnesses. Placing the blame while was happening in America was that Orville Fabus had failed in his attempt to overturn the law of the land with force. In the strongest official language he had used since entering the White House, President Eisenhower placed the blame for Little Rock's ordeal where it belonged on Orville Fabus, replying to a message of protest from Georgia's Senator Richard Russell whom Ike had gone out of his way to placate during the fight on civil rights legislation in the 85th Congress, the President said, Few times in my life have I felt as saddened as when the obligations of my office require me to order the use of a force within a state to carry out the decisions of a federal court. My conviction is that had the police powers of the state of Arkansas been used not to frustrate the orders of the court but to support them, the ensuing violence and open disrespect for the law and for the federal judiciary would never have occurred. As a matter of fact, had the integration of Central High School been permitted to take place without the intervention of the National Guard, there is little doubt that the process would have gone along quite as smoothly smoothly and quietly as it has And other Arkansas communities. So as we continue to try to bring up, uh, information for the Black Knight, we are entwined, intertwined with the lives of people who lived back in those days and, and how, how it affected them and what was happening, getting, you're getting the whole picture. At the Experiment Dot Club, the whole, the whole thing, the whole, the whole enchilada. So as we continue, the uh, the Atlas rocket is shown leaving Cape Canaveral, and uh, this is three days. This this issue of Time magazine came out only three days after. Uh, The Sputnik successful launching and orbiting of the Earth. So uh, it it will not have. uh, We'll have to go to the next issue. But it's interesting that uh, they did have these uh, the launching of the Atlas rocket uh, pictures in this edition, uh, October seventh, nineteen fifty-seven. And as you turn the next page, it doesn't appear it was successful. The Atlas rocket was going off course, and they blew it up. Yeah, and as it falls back to Earth in a big fireball, we wonder where they thought our space program would go. What would happen to it. Well, we got to the gist of our story. This was the October 14th issue, 1957 of Time Weekly Magazine. Under national affairs, the nation, red moon over the United States, hurtling unseen, hundreds of miles from the earth, a polished metal sphere the size of a beach ball passed over the world's continents and oceans one day last week. As it circled the globe for the first time traveling at 18,000 miles per hour the U.S. was blissfully unaware that a new era in history had begun opening a bright new chapter in mankind's Conquest of the natural environment In a grim new chapter In the Cold War The news came In a broadcast by Moscow Radio And it got to Washington In an ironic way At the Soviet Embassy On 16th Street that evening Some 50 scientists Of 13 nations Members of the International Geophysical Year Rocket and satellite conference were gathered at a cocktail party. After the vodka Scotch and Bourbon started to flow, New York Times reporter Walter Sullivan got an urgent phone call from his paper, hurried back to whisper in the ear of a US scientist. A moment later, physicist Lloyd Berkner wrapped on the, the the table with the adora with the the food and until the hubbub quieted. I wish to make an announcement he said I am informed by the New York Times that a satellite is in orbit at an elevation of 900 kilometers which is about 559 miles I wish to congratulate our Soviet colleagues on their achievement Sputniks Hulk by then the world's communication systems were already crackling with its story that the Russians had launched history's first man made Earth satellite, and scientists across the United States were being routed out by newspapers and colleagues. The Russians called it Sputnik. It weighed 184 pounds, they said, and was sending continuous radio signals. Washington's Naval Research Laboratory control. Center at the U.S. laboratory control at the cut the back take two at Washington's Naval Research Laboratory control center of the U.S. satellite project Vanguard. Men work through the night in the white glare of searchlights to adjust rooftop radio aerials to pick up the pulse speed Cool-headed scientists at the Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory in Cambridge, Mass. Got on a long-distant phone to alert amateur astronomers across the United States. Pulled the switch on, on Operation Moonwatch, the sky-gazing network the U.S. had set up to track its own on Earth satellites. Other Smithsonian other Smithsonian scientists sorted and fed into an electrical brain. The fragmentary reports from moon watchers, observatories, and radio hands. Commercial radio stations too picked up Bucknick sing- signals. Listen now, said an NBC announcer, and a voice his listeners would not soon forget. For the sound which forever more separates the old from the new, and over thousands of earthbound radios sounded the eerie beep 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 from somewhere out in space dreams into reality and the nation's reaction to those chilling beeps the impulse to applaud a mighty scientific achievement soon froze in the rigors of the cold war the red satellite was a milestone in history a giant step towards the conquest of interplanetary space. But it was also a communist achievement with serious implications for the West that the communists themselves made clear. Cold War propaganda rang in the Russian announcement. The present generation will witness how the free and conscious labor of the people of the new socialist society turns even the most daring of men's dreams into a reality. Despite the official White House line that the Soviet launching did not come as any surprise, highly surprised scientists and military men drew some quick lessons from Sputnik's success. Item To put the 184-pound satellite in its orbit, the Russians had to have an operational ballistic missile driven by a rocket engine at least as big as the U.S. biggest and best. Hence, the Russians probably have a workable intercontinental ballistic missile. Two, the U.S. intelligence had no warning of the firing of this button. Three, U.S. policymakers probably, probably have been seriously underestimating Russia's scientific capability. In vital sectors of the technology race, the U.S. may well have lost its precious lead. Trans, transatlantic Tribute the time has fairly come, said New Hampshire's Republican-style Bridges. The Mr. Conservative as the U.S. Senate, to be less concerned with the death to pile on a new brown loom rug on the height of the tail pin on a new car and to be more prepared to shed blood, sweat, and tears. It was true, as some scientists said, that the U.S., with an all-out effort, probably could have fired its own satellite by now. Last week, Project Vanguard put its 72-foot TV-2 launching rocket due to a third series of seven tests. Contrary-wise, it was true that the U.S. had lost its lead because in spreading its resources too thin, the nation skipped too much on military research and development. Russia's victory in the satellite race proved that the U.S. had not tried hard enough. In a transatlantic tribute, the London Express predicted the future better than most most surprised Americans. The, the result will be a new u.s. drive to catch up and pass the Russians in the sphere of space exploration. Never doubt for a moment that, that America will be successful and as we conclude or wind up this presentation, this Time magazine article. Following uh, the successful coverage of uh, Russia's launching of the sp- uh, Sputnik, you have uh, the Steamsters Union uh, with Jimmy Hoffa marching down, uh, win with Hoffa for the labor union, and we're for Hoffa. So this is going to be—we uh, haven't—we, you know, if we come up with our more stuff uh, on another podcast, so. Uh, uh, to tie this all into uh, the Black Knight which we haven't got to yet uh, we will put it out there as a bonus a bonus episode to this episode so remember uh, this is the Experiment Club our podcasts are on most uh, platforms uh, we're on a YouTube channel it's called the Experiment Club on YouTube and uh, there, of course, you can see what we're looking at as we uh, uh, podcast to you out there. And tell your friends. Contribute to our podcast so we stay on the air. Contribute either from uh, Spotify or, or uh, Anchor. And you can also contribute from uh, the experiment.culb club, our website. Contribute so we can uh, keep the podcast going. Contribute, I need uh, donate. Contribute, we need a new vehicle. Uh, we're in a power chair and our 20-year-old car. That needs a lot of work. It probably would be better to have a newer second old car. <laughs> in our case, you know, not a brand new one, but another handicapped vehicle. So, we're signing off for now. And until next time, be wary. You never know the life you saved might be your own.